And so one of the things is, because today's a special day, and I want to remember today, right? So I want to do something really quick. Now, y'all all got to smile, okay? All right, so everybody smiling. Nice smiles. Don't be frowning now. Can't be frowning. All right, one, two, three. All right. So as I took a selfie, because I wanted to remember today, I want to start by telling you, I want to call us to remember that how we remember moments has changed over the years, right? Today, you might take a selfie, just like I did. I'm horrible at taking selfies. If I gave Katie or Maggie or India or Raheem, Caleb or Chandler, if I gave them or or Maddie, if I gave any of the younger folks a phone and said, here, I want you to remember today, take a selfie. Oh, theirs would look awesome. You know, sometimes it just, it's not going to look right. But over the years, how we remember moments have changed. So in the past, we might have simply just taken a picture. Right? Just taking a picture together. Other times, we might have picked up a postcard. We might have written something, put a stamp on it, and dropped it in the mail to remember where we had been. Other times, we might have picked up a piece of paper. Right? And we might have written a letter. We might have journaled in a book about what was going on in our lives. And if you think about it, as we think back on history, whether it's a president or whether it's someone who was influential, they journaled, they kept their thoughts. And so we look back on that and we have insight into what was going on in their lives. But for those people of faith, we also have examples of how God was working. Amen? And the struggles that they were going through. Even think back even further, before you necessarily had selfies and before you had pictures, you might would have a painting, right, to remember a certain event by. And so this morning, I want us to look in the Old Testament, in the book of Joshua. So if you will, take your copy of God's Word, and you're going to turn to the sixth book of the Bible. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then Joshua. You're going to turn to Joshua, and as you're turning to Joshua, I want to remind you that Joshua is Moses' successor. Joshua is the one who leads the people to capture and to settle the promised land. As we look into the book of Joshua this morning, I want to remind you that the first five books of the Bible are called the books of the law. And Joshua begins the books of history. There's 12 books, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. So we're going to look at Joshua. Why was Joshua written? Joshua was written to remind the Israelites of God's faithfulness and to encourage them to commit themselves to the Lord. So if you will, turn with me to chapter 4 of the book of Joshua. And we're going to read chapter 4. You'll find these similar words in your copy of God's Word. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in a place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in the time to come, what do, these, what do those stones mean to you? And you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up the twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan. And in a place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished. That the Lord had commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste. Verse 11. 
And when all the people had finished passing over, the ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before them. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad, and on the half-tribe of Manasseh, passed over before them the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all of Israel, and they stood in awe of him, just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priest bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest, Come up out of the Jordan. And when the priest bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came out, came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, What do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan, for until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. That is a long drink of water, but it is a beautiful story and something that I want to talk about today are these stones. If you look with me in verse 5, I just want to make a few quick observations and, and I want to talk about some application of, of what this means and why we're in this passage today. But if you look with me in verse 5, it says, And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder. Now they didn't just pick up a little old stone. You know, you're not just going to pick up a pebble and put it on your shoulder. Can you imagine? I don't know how big it was, but if they're saying put it on your shoulder, then that's going to be a rather large rock. Amen? It's not just some little pebble. It's not just a little stone, but it was a rock. Then we see in verse 6, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? And then in verse 7 we see, Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. So here's here's a couple things I want you to see. As we look at this passage, and he he talked about taking the stone and taking it to where they were going to camp. They didn't just pull the stone up out of the river, out of the Jordan, and then set it down right there. Where they camped, some... Folks, some scholars estimate that they walked eight miles. Eight miles with this particular stone. And so then we see the all-important question, what do these stones mean to you? You see, the monument at Gilgal reminded the Jews that God had opened the Jordan River and brought them safely across into the Promised Land. That they had a break. Listen, it's, it's also symbolic in the fact that they had to break with the past and were to never think of going back. Listen, as it mentioned Joshua, as he set stones where the feet of the priest were, and it says they're still there to this day, that that monument in the depths of the river is to remind them of their old life was buried, and how they're to walk in the newness of life. As Joshua set those stones in the middle of the Jordan, And then the waters came back over. They were covered up. And so by faith, they're there. And the Bible says that they're still there to this day. And that is symbolic of the fact that they were, their old life was buried. What a picture of what Jesus did. Amen? That it's, when you're baptized in a few weeks, when we have a baptism service, hopefully in August, just because of scheduling and some technical things, we're trying to work that out. But when we have that baptism, that's what baptism is all about. It's the bearing of the old life. And you, when you're dumped into the water and when you're brought out, you're raised in the newness of life. There's a picture of this going on in Jericho. And so this morning, this in your bulletin, it said that this message was about stones of remembrance. But really this morning, I want to talk to you about Joshua Stones.
And so I want to tell you, what are you telling others about Jesus? What are you telling others about Jesus? Do you have anything to tell them? Are you just repeating things that you've heard? Or have you personally experienced God in your own life? What are you going to tell others about Jesus? Do you have anything to tell them? Are you simply just repeating what your Sunday school teacher gave you or what your pastor said? Are you really sharing from a heart that personally knows God, has personally walked with Him, has personally walked through some valleys with the Lord? What does this mean? It means be prepared and it means share your story. You see, as we talk about these stones this morning, you see the stones, you hear the stories, and you learn about God. Amen? Do you see that? You see the stones as as they were talking. Well, what do these stones mean to you? And it says in time to come, your children will look and say, hey, what do these stones mean? So they saw them. So then you're going to hear the stories of how God worked. And as you hear their stories, you're going to learn about God. Amen? What do you want to tell people? What do you want to tell people? You tell them what you have experienced, how God has answered your prayers, how God has supplied for your needs. You share how He's shown up. You share how He's comforted, how He's strengthened, how He's guided, and how He has provided for you. Listen, retelling your story will keep memories of God's faithfulness alive. Retelling your story will keep the memories of God's faithfulness alive. So let me ask you this. Do you look for opportunities to tell others, particularly your children and your grandchildren, about your Joshua Stones? Do you have any Joshua stones in your life? I want to make this practical. The people of Israel, Joshua said, take this stone, we're going to build a memorial, and it's going to stand forever. It's there to this day. And when people see it, they're going to say, wow, what are these about? And they're going to look back and they're going to say, listen, when we walked through the Jordan, the Jordan was, it dried up. We walked across on dry land, just like we did when we were left and were captive in Egypt, and we walked across the Red Sea. And in, in, in the Jordan River dried up and we walked across on dry land and we kept moving forward and God took us into the promised land. That's what it's about. And so this morning I ask you, are you looking for opportunities to tell others about your Joshua stones? As I was studying, as I was just processing this, as I was praying this through and I was studying this passage, this chapter, I thought of the phrase active faith. Active faith. Faith. Your faith. And so I want to ask you this morning, what has God done in your life? What has God done in your life? I love this quote by Oswald Chambers. He says, Never live on your memories of past experiences, but let the Word of God always be living and active in you. Never live on your memories of past experiences, But let the Word of God be living and active in you. Is His Word living and active in you? How do you get it living and active in you? Well, you have to read it. And if you don't know where to start, then start in the book of John. Start in the book of John. Or if you're progressing along, take and turn over to Proverbs and just begin. Today is the... 14. So go to Proverbs chapter 14 and just begin to read there. Or to do what I've done at one time, go to the book of Psalms and just take a psalm or a portion of a psalm and just begin to check off. Maybe you read a psalm a day. Some psalms are longer. Maybe you split it in half. But you literally, just to keep yourself on track, I would put, like it would say Psalm 1, and I would read that. And then at the end of that, after I kind of just pondered it and I prayed it and and just read it, I would check it off. So then the next time I came back, I knew where I was to start. It was the whatever the next one was that didn't have a check mark. But you've got to find a way to make God's word living and active in you. So I thought about the word active and active faith, but then I also thought about this word. I thought about the word prepared, prepared. In 2 Timothy 4, 2, there's a portion of that verse that says, be ready in season and out. 
Be ready in season and out. So if we're going to share our stories, if we're going to share what God has done in our life, what He's done in the life of this church, then we got to be ready in season and out. The Amplified Version says it this way, Be ready when the time is right and even when the time is not. Keep your sense of urgency, whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable, whether convenient or inconvenient, whether welcome or unwelcome. Are you ready in season and out of season? Are you prepared to share your story? Are you prepared to share what God has done in your life? It's not difficult, friends. I'm going to give you some application here in just a moment, but I want to give you this. Also think about 1 Peter 3.15 that says, Be prepared to give an answer. Friend, if there's one verse that you should look at, that we should look at as a church, that you should look at as a, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, is are you prepared to give an answer for the hope in which you have? It's not Sunday school attendance. It's not being a church member. It's not faithfully attending and showing up every week. It's not tithing. It's not any of those things. None of those things will save you. Amen. They are a result of a changed heart, a heart that has been changed from the inside, and then there should be outward. And so sometimes when we say that we're looking at people's fruit, we're not like fruity and fruit loops ourselves, but we're saying, look, if, if, if you are a child of God, if you're somebody who believes, if you have Jesus in you, then why don't I see him lived out? Why don't I see it in your actions? Why don't I see it in your words? Why don't I see it in your face? Why don't I see it in how you treat others? Why don't I see it when you have faith? When something is difficult, you say, well, I don't know that. That's unknown to me. Have faith. Have faith. Pray. Seek the Lord. 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you. But don't stop there. Don't stop there. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. I didn't make that up. That's straight out of here. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Friends, today I want to look back and I want to discuss some stones that I would put down in my one year of ministering and shepherding here at Bible Fellowship Church. And so the first one that I would put down, now we said in the Bible they had stones that they put up on their shoulders. Well, I'll show you the application of this in a minute. But the first one that I would, I went to the store and it took me a while to find exactly what I had envisioned in my mind, but I bought an entire bag of rocks. I had to find the right size rocks. But this first one that I wrote down, and I'm going to talk through some of these. These are stones that I would put down. These are things that where I've seen God work in this past year that I've been here in this church. And so the first one that I want to set down is, it says contemporary song. Contemporary song. See, for those of you that might not have been here, for who have come in since I've been here, there was a young lady who came in that God blessed right before she moved to Texas, uh, Mackenzie Connor. She came in and she worked with our praise team and she just tried to help them find some songs that were within their wheelhouse and kind of coach them a little bit. And it was a huge blessing. It was a huge blessing. And you know what? As we talked about recently on Sunday night, we watched this message. And we have multiple generations in here, amen? We have multiple generations. And so when you have multiple generations, you have to minister to multiple generations. And so one of the things I'm thankful for is after some time, whenever we had the contemporary song, we, we kind of adjusted and, and, and you know found the right fit. But the way we have it now, I think, is great. We do two hymns. We do our announcements, and then we do a more contemporary song. But contemporary is really relative, amen? Because now everybody calls it modern. And what is contemporary? It could be a song from the 80s, or it could be a song that you hear on the radio today. But I am thankful indeed for the ones who paved the way, for Mackenzie who got here before I was, and she just began to plant some seeds. And yeah, has it been easy? Has every song been perfect? No. But guess what? If you don't like the song this week, guess what? It wasn't for you, first off. And secondly, come back 
in two weeks and there might be a song that you do like. Because one of the things the Lord showed me as I've been leading is change is hard. Amen? Change is hard. Speaking of change, I thought this interesting. I ran across a note that someone, somehow or another, made it its way onto my desk and actually took the picture about a year ago. I uh, saw it on my phone, but it was notes from a business meeting here at the church. It was notes from a business meeting. I think it was a, a quarterly business meeting. It wasn't just a deacon's meeting. And then there was one line on there that stood out and grabbed my attention. And a year ago, I circled it, and I want to share it with you. It said under there, under some things, it was talking about who was going to preach for a few weeks. And then it said, Chris Moore, possible for a season. And then it said this, expect changes. Pray for changes and pray. I didn't make that up. So before I got here, it was already been said, hey, y'all expect change. It's coming. Pray for changes and pray for general. Amen? Pray in general. And thank God for some of the changes that we have been able to make. Because it's not about me, but if we're going to effectively minister in 2019, and as we look forward to 2020, then we have to find a way to connect with people. Amen? We have to find a way to do what we do with excellence and do it the best that we can do it. And one of those things that we've done is by introducing our contemporary song. You'll hear more about that in just a few moments. The next stone that I'd like to set down is a stone that I wrote the word Croswell. I wrote the word Croswell on this. Because why? Because last year, in just the course of a few short weeks, we raised $484. Now, at that time, I think we were running at about we do now. Um, our average is about 37 people. So in four weeks, an average of about 37 people, we raised $484. And then we saw where it was like, okay, let's take this a step further. Let's find a way to bless them. So what did we do? We bought note cards that had our logo on it, said we're praying for your school year. We got the teachers' names. We met in the um, fellowship hall, and we began to just pray. And what did we write on those things? We wrote simple things. Thank you for the difference that you make. We're praying for you. We hope you have a great school year. You know... Thanks for all that you do. That's all we did was simply to put that down. You'll hear more about uh, Croswell in just a second. The third stone that I'd like to put down is one I labeled Conway. Conway. Why why do we have a stone called Conway? Well, we have a stone called Conway because there was flooding that happened in that community. And we heard of some needs that were going on. And so as your interim pastor, I came back and I challenged you and I said, hey, I know there are some specific needs. We began to collect an offering. I can't remember how long we collected it for, but it wasn't for a long time. And guess what? Our church gave $885 to go to Langston Baptist Church, which was basically one of the churches there in Conway that was helping distribute needs, helping distribute supplies, helping to help those that were in the greatest need. And then, and only then, when we stepped out in faith and said, we're going to raise this money, Jimmy, brother Jimmy, had a conversation with his, his corporate office, and they said, you know what, we'll donate $1,000 worth of cleaning supplies. So when people say, well, y'all are just a small church, so we have worship a big God, Amen. And God has called us to make a difference in our community and in the lives of other folks. You know, praise God that over years we've given abundantly to world missions. But are we loving and serving our neighbor? Have we always done that well? I don't know. I've only been here for a year. But through conversations, through things like Croswell, through things like Conway, even though they're not directly our community, they are. We know people who live in those areas. And there was a need, and I would hope that if we had a flood or we had a tornado, that that's what happens what? People step outside of their comfort zone. They give, not for themselves, but they give because God has blessed them, and they send it to another community that's not theirs to be a blessing. So we have the contemporary song. We have a stone for Croswell. We have a stone for Conway. And then my fourth stone is I have one called community. Community. And I think about this. Community. Community is a big word. It is an important word in the life of the church. It's an important word inside and outside of these four walls. Amen? In the past year, we had a snow cone giveaway. And we have I have a snow cone machine that we've... 
we've carried all around the world that we got from somewhere, and my dad has it. And so it was like, hey, we got the snow cone machine. That's the biggest thing. Now we need some ice. Now we need this. But we literally got together one um, Saturday morning, and we got out on the lawn, and the children, my daughter and some Maddie and some other ones, they made signs and just said, free snow cones. People say, free? And they write up, free? Yes, free. We just want to be a blessing to you. We want to remind you that Jesus loves you, that we do too. One of the sweetest moments of that was um, when one of the young ladies, she came in and, and there was a young girl, Darby. Darby was here and there was another little girl who came up, a little African-American young lady. Darby's a little white girl. And they just like embrace each other. Right? And they started twirling around and doing this. I was like, oh, cool. They must like go to school together or go to daycare together. And it's like, no. No. So what did Darby and this other child show us? They showed us that love knows no color. Love does not care where what your background is. But when we come together for God's glory, it's a beautiful thing. Amen? Oh, how, I mean, God even says, come to me with the faith of a child. And in that exercise, in that being obedient and trying to serve our community, we saw in and of that what can happen when we are obedient. Emergency shelter. This past, you know, Terry and and Miss Cindy, they have fed those at the emergency shelter for many months, for many years. And so guess what? This past month, the beginning of the month, we showed up at the emergency shelter and said, let's have a cookout and let's be a blessing. Take some of the burden off of them and let's everybody make a little something. Let's everybody go together. Can I tell you what? That was a great outing and it's going to come again. It's going to come again. My, my goal for you as a church is at least once a quarter, once a quarter that we get together as a church and we go and we serve them. There's another step of that too. You'll hear later on down the road. It's the next step for somebody else as well. But community. Croswell, that's in our community. Having Stopping by uh, Two Doors Down, makes me think of a country song anyway by Dolly Parton. Two Doors Down, um, there's, there's the Firestone place. I stopped by and in my wallet I have a business card from a young man. His name is Seth McIntosh. He's the manager. One Sunday morning in the coming weeks, hopefully if you're interested, see me about this. But guess what? They open. And so let's just go, and to be a blessing to them, they work on Sunday morning, let's just show up and give them breakfast, amen? Let's just say, hey, we, we're your neighbor. We won't let you know that we're praying for you. We won't let you know that we love you. And let's just show up and feed them breakfast. Do you, are they going to show up in our door? No. But does that mean that they're heathens and that we shouldn't try to love them? No. We should, we should absolutely try to love them. They can't help it that they have to work on Sunday. They have bills to pay. They would probably love to be here. They'd probably love to be in the air condition versus being in the hot summer heat. Amen? So we have the contemporary song. We have Croswell. We have Conway. We have community. And then another word, which y'all could probably complete this phrase. It would be a test, if you will. But the next stone that I wrote down, and it's kind of neat because it is kind of round, and that is circles. Circles. So we have community, and then we have the word circles. And what is my favorite saying? Does anybody care to say it? Circles are better than rows. Amen. I didn't get that. That's from Andy Stanley. But it's the absolute gospel. Circles are better than rows. We've launched small groups and we've had some success. Can I tell you something else, friends? Do it for one. Do it for one. One of the small groups that we launched, we were doing about a six-week group. And literally one night I had one person show up. One. But you know what? We went through and we watched the material and we talked and we began to bond. Do it for one. Don't just say, if God places it on your heart and he calls you to do something, it's not about numbers. It's about the one. Amen? It's about that one. You don't just say, oh, man, you're the only one that showed up. Well, let's just pray and go home. No. God has something for the both of you. So the contemporary song, Croswell, Conway, Community, Circles. My sixth stone says conversations. Conversations. Now, I want to talk about conversations with you for just a minute. I'm going to kind of work backwards in my notes. There have been special conversations this year, amen? One such special conversation was me and Mr. John Cook. I didn't know that he was going to pass away in the year that I've been here. Mr. John and I met, and I had a sheet. We had these listening sessions, and he came. We began to talk, and I learned about who he was and what God had done in his life. 
And I got to sit at the feet of this dear man who'd been all around the world, who had, who had presented the gospel and been a faithful servant all the way to the very end. I just got to say, hey, Mr. John, what would you tell a guy like me who's young and in the ministry? What would you tell me? And he says, there's no, uh, there's no end to what God can do if he calls you to do it. Amen? And I'm thankful for those. There's been some difficult conversations this past year. There's been some difficult conversations. There's been hurt feelings. There's been times where you've had to have difficult conversations. And me as a pastor and me as a husband, it's like, well, you know, what do I do with this? How do I approach this? But you know what? You have to step through in love. And you have to have those conversations. And you have to say, hey, do you realize that maybe you, by saying this, you made someone feel like this? You don't let it go, you don't let it go unsaid, amen? But you do it in love. You do it and you go to one-on-one. And you don't bring them out in front of the church and say, hey, this person over here, let me tell you what they did. No, you just say, look, hey, you, you said this, this is how, this is what I call on the end. How did that, this is what I call. You might not have known that, but I want to let you know. And you know what? Through other conversations, things work out. Amen? Because we're to be, a church is supposed to be a place of grace. As Brother Jimmy mentioned as he prayed, thank God for God's grace. But if we know God and we're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, then we should extend grace. Amen? We should extend forgiveness. The Bible says to forgive as you have been forgiven. I also want to talk about intentional conversations. Intentional conversations. See, that's what we got to look at, church, is intentional conversations. Intentional conversations. I'm going to do this. Don't throw any... Well, I'm glad I got all the stones and y'all can't throw them at me. I want to walk you through something because there's some people who are here who haven't been here, but I want you to see something this morning. I want you to see something that I think about a lot. Is Chris Moore going to grow this church? Nope. Are you going to grow this church? You can have a hand in it. God's going to grow this church. Amen? Because, listen, when it comes to God's people, when you want to be here... You want your friends to be here. Amen? You want your family to be here. You you see what I'm saying? When you want to be here, you want others to be here too. Amen? You want them to experience what you're experiencing. You want them to see what you're seeing. You want them to be a part of what you're a part of. Amen? I want to give you an example. Jimmy and Linda Parker, will you all please stand for just a second? I I want to give you an illustration. And in a minute, I want you to turn around in a second. Jimmy and Linda Parker, I want to thank them for what they do. They do a lot. Some things you guys don't even see, you don't even notice. Up here all times of day and night, doing things, hanging things, repairing things, cleaning things, making sure it's happening. They do a lot. Amen? But they also have been having very intentional conversations. And so one of the things that they did was they had an intentional conversation with her Uncle, Robert, and Danny. Will y'all please stand? So, now y'all just stand there for a minute. So they had an intentional conversation for the two of them. They started coming. They felt like this is a place that they could belong. They joined this church. Jimmy and Linda also had a conversation with the Doobies. Will y'all please stand? Two, four, six. Now, hold on. So, Jimmy and Linda had a conversation with her uncle Robert and Danny. Went to their house. That's a that's a intimate environment, amen? They went to their house. They said, look, we want y'all to be a part of what we're doing. We want to be, you to be a part of what's going on. So listen, Danny had a conversation with his best friend, Jay. Jay, will you stand? Jay and Tammy. Tammy's been under the weather a little bit. So Jay and Tammy said, well, hey, we'll go and we'll see what that's all about. And so then they came, and then Jay and Tammy started inviting their grandchildren. Maggie, will you stand? So they began to invite their grandchildren. Amen? They began to invite her son, and he began to bring his children. And remember a few weeks ago I talked to you about filling a pew. They filled a pew. Well, then Maggie, she she saw what we were doing. She felt like this was a place that she could belong. And so, Miss Janet, will you please stand? So then Maggie reached out to Miss Janet. And Miss Janet came and brought Rahim. Rahim, if you'll stand. And then Rahim came. They came together. And then India, will you please stand? 
So I want you to look around really quick. This morning, if Jimmy and Linda Parker would have never had a conversation with Robert and Danny, this whole pew would be empty. You see it? Look around, friends. Look around. The ones in the back, y'all don't have to. The ones up here, y'all look. That's two, four, six, eight, ten. That's eleven people right there in our congregation this morning. Why? Y'all can all sit. Why? Because Jimmy and Linda Parker had intentional conversations. And you might say, well, Pastor Chris, what are you doing? You ain't had nobody who stood up. Well, guess what? I'm ministering to people. I ministered to the doobies when they were at the hospital. Amen. And got to meet them. But I'm also having conversations with people who are far from God. I have conversations with people like Seth, who's down the street, or Christy, who works at the J.O. Grady's at the bar. I have conversations with them. They're far from God. Will they ever come in and darken the door of this church? I do not know. But I'm planting seeds wherever I go. This morning, Kendall's uncle, Bobo, he's here. He just moved here. We had a conversation with him. Where's Uncle Bobo going to church? Well, I don't know. He isn't. Well, let's invite Uncle Bobo. That's what it's about. When you want to be here, you want other people to be here. Amen? You want them to experience what you are experiencing. So I encourage you to have conversations. Carol, um, your friend from Providence, what's her name? Miss Connie. You invited Miss Connie, right? So listen to this. Y'all don't know this. On small groups... With the ladies, Miss Carol invited a friend of hers named Miss Connie who goes to Providence Baptist Church. Well, guess what? She goes there. She loves her church, but she's found community with our ladies. Amen. It's not always about filling our rosters of people being members with us, but let's find ways to connect with others and to find community. Amen. Circles are better than rows. And then lastly, my last stone, my seventh stone for this morning is called conversations. Conversations. Sorry. Connections. I looked at it. I saw it. It's called connections. Connections were made, right? Connections were made through comic, uh, connect cards, through conversation, through sharing stories, through time, and through serving alongside of each other. Can I remind? We're gonna go over this morning. So if you got to go, you can just go. But we'll be all right. All right. We're just gonna go till we get done with this. Listen. <clears throat> all of this works backwards. And I want to tell you this morning that conversations lead to connections, which leads to relationships. Amen? Conversations lead to connections, which lead to relationships. I want to think back, and I want to call out somebody in my group that I've gotten to know. The other one um, isn't here this morning. Well, she is, but Mr. Bill isn't. But Miss Mary and Miss Cindy, Jay and Tammy, when we gave to Conway, I had the crazy idea, well, we need to get that to Conway somehow. Right, the supplies and the things that we gathered. And so I said, hey, will y'all load up with me in the van and let's go take this to Conway together. And what I saw there is when you give people an opportunity, when you tell them of a need, people will go to a need. Amen? And so we got in the van and we did what? We spent time together. We shared stories about our life. We shared stories about what God's done. We laughed more than we had probably laughed in a long time. We went and we got to bless those people. We got to tour their facilities. We then went and ate dinner together. And then we came back. Do you think that there were connections and bonds made in that, that conversation? Yes, there were. You see how all this fits together? Circles, conversations, connections leads to community. Conversations lead to connections, which leads to relationships. So here's my thing for you this morning. Why does this matter? Why do these Joshua stones matter? Why did I intentionally lay down seven stones and think through these things as I think back on the last year that I've been here? Here's why. I want you to turn to the next book in your Bible, which is over to Judges. I want you to turn to Judges chapter 1. Actually, it's Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2. Why does all of this matter? Why does all of this matter? Judges chapter 2, verse 10. Latter part of this verse. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that He had done for Israel. There arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that He had done for Israel. Friends, you and I are called to share our stories and to point others to God. Listen, listen, if it's not rocks, 
what are things that can help you remember how God has moved in your life? For me, and I forgot them, actually when I was praying before I came up here this morning, I said, oh Lord, I forgot two of my illustrations that I wanted to bring with me. But I tell you how you remember those things. I have a a framed picture in my office. One year I worked this thing called the SAM Project where they went out and worked on houses. And each week the young people made made, uh, duct tape bracelets. Each day, and they wrote a different verse on those. And in my office, in a frame, it's clear, see-through, but there are those five bracelets from that, day, from that week. Each of those verses of Scripture, I remember how God moved in the sand project and what I saw young people doing by having that in my office. So when people come in my office and they say, well, what's that about? Well, let me tell you. Heard a powerful message one time about how you guys, and I hope that you'll see it if you haven't, I'd be glad to give you the link. It's a private link that I can give you to a YouTube video. But it's about passing the baton to the next generation. I've showed it to some of y'all. It was a powerful message of where we stand today in the church of how we've got to be running and the next generation has got to be running and we have to be good in the exchange zone. Amen. And we have to pass the baton of faith. So you know what I did? That message was so powerful in my life and in my ministry and made me remember why I do what I do. You know what I did? I got on Amazon and I bought a baton. And I had people come in my office. They said, well, you ran track? No. But let me tell you about that. I also heard a powerful message about... um, Marbles. I won't go into that. You've heard it before or whatever. And so I keep a big old jar of marbles, about 800 marbles in my office. And people walk in all the time. Oh, you used to shoot marbles? No. Well, let me tell you about that. It's an illustration. It's a way for me to remember what God's done. So my thing to you this morning is find ways to visually remember what God has done. Ask yourself, what has God brought me through that I need to remember? What are the things that God has brought me through that I need to celebrate? What physical reminders do you have that will give you the opportunity to share how God has moved and shown up in your life? You know what? When I leave here today, this basket will go and it will be probably on the center um, item in our table. And when we invite people into our, friend, into our house, they're going to say, Will you collect rocks? No. But let me tell you about them. And so each of these things, there's other ones up here. New Life, 550 Pringle, KM3 Salvation, Boldest Prayer, right? And so our, our, my prayer is that as these sit on my table and people come into my house and they pick this up and they say, broken, a broken prayer. Well, what's that mean? All right, let me tell you about that. Amen? It's a visual reminder of what God has done in my life. Listen, memorials help us remember but they're never to be worshipped. Memorials help us remember, but they're never to be worshipped. And listen, memorials don't have power, but the stories behind them do. Really quickly, y'all going to be on the third round of the buffet today. You had the first round, you know, the Methodists, they're going to go on through, and then we're going to get there or whatever. And and it's going to be hot when you get there, but listen... Over the past year, I've thought about some things that have bubbled to the top. I want to share these really quickly. You can't connect with everybody. You aren't meant to. Connect with those who are willing. I'm reminded from my youth ministry days that you can't force people to connect with Jesus and with others, but guess what? You can set up dates. You can set up appointments for them. You can set up opportunities for them. You can't force people to connect And you can't connect with everybody, but connect with those who are willing. Secondly, not every church is for everybody. We had some people who came along in the past year, and one such family, oh, it would have been a great thing to have them. They had a large large family and been a great addition for our children's ministry. But they wanted to take communion weekly. That's not what we do. That's not who we are. That's not how we practice our faith. I'm sorry. People who didn't like the song. There were some people who were visiting or whatever who left because we introduced a contemporary song. Praise God. Hopefully they found somewhere to belong. I think they have. But not every church is for everybody. Some people don't like me. Okay. Not every pastor is for everybody. Amen. 
Not everybody likes every style that there is. We've had other people, not every church is for everybody. There's no robust children's ministry. There, there's no robust youth ministry. Sherry's trying to do what she can with youth ministry, but it's not what it was. Not every church is for everybody. Some people will come to church occasionally, and that's okay. That's okay. Remember that. Some people will come to church okay, occasionally, and that's okay. Here's the thing. Reach out. Love and try to connect with them when they do. Y'all, there's a sweet sound I love to hear. That's my next phrase. There's a sweet sound I love to hear. And that's the chatter of God's people in God's house. Amen. Whether it's before or after church. Last Sunday morning, I just snapped a quick picture and, and put that on Facebook, on my Facebook page. Because it was such a blessing that after church, quarter after, there were still people standing in the pews and standing in the aisles. And they were having what? They were having conversations They were finding connections. They were finding community. Friends, I always want to be the last person to leave every Sunday. I want you to have conversations with other people. I don't want you to feel rushed. If you need to have a conversation with me, then is the time to do that. We're in no rush. Amen? Now, we don't want to stay here until 2 o'clock. I mean, there is some people eventually, if one person is still talking, we'll say, all right, now, maybe y'all need to go to lunch or something, but we're not going to push you out. Occasionally, we do kind of turn the lights out on you, but we're working on that too. All right, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. I want to get through with this. I want to get through with this. So speaking of God's people, listen to this phrase. There are more people who no longer go here than do. There are more people who no longer go here than do. I run into people all the time with connections to this church. Oh, we used to go there. Oh, my aunt went there. Okay. Hey, check this out. I even run into people who have connections with this church at the homeless shelter and at a funeral. That was the people, the live people at the funeral, not the dead people. Just saying, it was the people that was alive visiting the funeral, one of the dead people at the funeral. But they had connections to this church, and you want to know what it was? Two men, one at the homeless shelter, one at the funeral, said, you know what? He said, I was baptized at your church. I went to Spring Bank out by Hines Shaw Air Force Base, and we didn't have a baptismal. Oh, I remember we came there, and, and we got baptized in your church. There are more people who used to go here. There are more people who no longer go here than do. I picked up the pictorial dictionary, dictionary directory when I was visiting recently. Began to flip through it. It was the beginning of the 90s. And I went, well, they went here? Oh, I know them. I didn't know they went to Bible Fellowship. Why don't they go here any longer? Why did they move on? Some of them we know, some of them we don't. Friends, we have to be a loving people who love God and love others. When somebody new comes in and you see somebody new, when's the last time you went and said, hey, do you have anybody, are you here with somebody else? Would you like to sit with me? Do you know how much that would mean to somebody? If somebody says, no, that's okay, but at least did you offer did you speak to somebody that you didn't know this morning? Are you, we can say we're a loving and supporting church, but are we? Is it seen in our actions? I want to ask you this set of questions, and we'll close out. Miss Betsy will play, and we'll close out. But I want you to ask yourself, am I looking to connect with others? Am I looking to reconnect? Am I looking to take next steps? Am I looking to live out what I've learned? Am I looking to invite people to church and into my life? Am I looking to forgive others? Am I looking to extend grace? Am I looking to seek God regularly? Am I praying often? Am I giving of my time, my talents, and my treasures? Am I giving of my time, my talents, and my treasures? Are you praying for your interim pastor? Are you praying for your fellow church members? Are you praying for people who are far from God? Are you praying for your deacons? Wait a second, I probably shouldn't have come after people who are far from God. Anyway, are you praying for your deacons? Are you praying for people who are far from God? Are you praying that our church would reach its community? Are you praying that people will be saved? And are you praying that lives will be changed eternally? Friends, I am so thankful that in the last year of ministering with you guys that there have been connections that have been made that we were able to bless those in Conway. We were able to have conversations with one another and with others. 
We were able to find community. We were able to invite other people into community. We were able to bless Croswell. And as we continue to have conversations with them, that's led to what? More open doors and more opportunities for everybody to love and serve them. We've introduced a contemporary song. And then lastly, I'm thankful for the circles that have been formed. Amen? For those that said, okay, I'm stepping out of what I'm used to doing. And I want to help find community another way for a season. Amen? Not for the rest of your life. In and out. We have to have opportunities for people to find community. Hey, time's up. Amen. Hey, let's, um, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for these people. I thank you for their patience with me this morning. Lord, I thank you for just all that you have done this past year. God, I thank you most importantly for the conversations that I've had, the conversations that other people have had. God, I thank you for those that have been invited in to our lives, into this church. God, you are moving. God, you are still high on the throne. You are still comforting. You are still encouraging. You're still strengthening. You're still loving. You're still pointing us in the direction that we should go. And so, Father, I pray, I want to open this altar, but God, I know these people are hungry. I know they're ready to go. But I pray as Miss Betsy plays, maybe she might play a second or two longer. Father, I pray as she plays on our way out. If there's something, Lord, let us just spend a moment with you and to thank you for what you have done. For those Joshua stones in our lives and where you showed up and where you moved. And God, I pray this morning that we might not have visual reminders in our house. We might not have framed uh, bands. We might not have a jar of marbles. But God, do we have a, a pile of rocks? God, do we have other things that remind us of how you've moved in our lives and in our hearts? Father, I pray that these your people would find those, that they would find ways to tell others about you, not about what their preacher said, not about what they read in some book, but God, what they've experienced personally with you. Father, we thank you and we love you. We ask you to continue to guide us in spirit and truth. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.